You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello guys, welcome to the Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. I am Ruthvik, the host for this show today, and this is the first episode of the new decade of the new year. And what a way to kickstart the new year and the new decade with the Nutmeg Arena podcast. And today I have a really, really amazing guest with me who is. the part of the goalkeeper union today's topic is definitely going to be you know about goalkeepers of the past decade the best keepers of the past decade we're going to be having a discussion only on goalkeepers that absolutely is going to be enjoyable as well my special guest is mohammad rachini you can find him by the name at that arab keeper on twitter he is a freelance journalist and he has a website called betweenthesticks.com where he writes his amazing pieces on goalkeepers and you know other stuff as well so it's going to be an amazing episode so without further ado i'd like to take you directly to the episode guys uh welcome mohammad to the show uh, so you no know, it's it's a pleasure having you in this podcast a goalkeeper expert you know from canada who's you know, had actually had an experience of uh keeping as well you're also an uh, ice hockey fan i reckon yeah I, i mean i'm i'm born and raised in canada so it's almost like a rite of passage right yeah, everybody that grows up in absolutely. canada has yeah, ice hockey fans uh, <laughs> absolutely and and you you're kind of the one who you know leads the goalkeeper union on twitter especially So it's, I, yeah, it's, I I I really appreciate that comment. Um I'm I'm one of the goalkeeper enthusiasts on on Twitter. I like to say that there are a lot of goalkeeper enthusiasts on Twitter, a lot of great people that I follow that think others should follow as well, but yeah, definitely I'm I'm one of the uh one of the uh um strong members, I guess I'd say as one of the more vocal members of the goalkeeper union on on Twitter. Yeah, I I I definitely think goalkeepers need some proper football fans as well because life is not easy as a goalkeeper. you've seen that with no the likes of Loris Karius and no a few other keepers as well so yeah they definitely need all the support that they can get because if you are a striker you miss a chance yes you get uh, you know get a lot of stick for probably the next 5 to 10 minutes and you no know, people tend to forget that but if mm-hmm. you're a goalkeeper you make one mistake and that stays with you for life so yeah it's probably right. hard being a goalkeeper exactly that that's that's really the case for goalkeepers and it's because almost always when we mess up when we make a mistake when we err we end up conceding a goal it's usually for a striker for example if they make a mistake they don't score it's like okay they they're still going to have chances after that but when we mess up that could that is almost always a goal conceded um so a lot of people tend to remember the mis- stakes more than the saves even though the saves could be game saving saves i i've said this a lot a save could be worth as much as uh, as a goal um you take ian oblak save from this past weekend against levante in the 93rd minute i don't know if you've seen the save or not but he made this fantastic reflex save he he, he uh moved from his left post to near his right post uh, in a matter of like 2 seconds or so and in a split second he made this fantastic reflex save from 
from in close. And Atleti were only leading 2-1 to one at that point. Had he conceded, it would have been 2-2. But because he saved that, it's 2-1. to one. Atleti wins. They move within five points of Real Madrid and, and uh, Barcelona, who are both sharing the lead at the top of uh, La Liga's table. Um, so yeah, that save is worth as much of a goal. So I, I've always said this, a save can be worth as much as a goal, but you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't tend to look at the saves. They tend to look at the mistakes and remember the mistakes, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think Liverpool fans, I uh, know because I, I'm a Liverpool fan myself and I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans on Twitter as well, you know, probably credit, credit Alisson for the uh, save against Napoli in the, I mean, last season, the Champions League, probably that mm-hmm. save won us the Champions League. You, you could say that save probably you know, that save kept us in the Champions League and that save won us the Champions League as well probably I would say so yeah it's, I, I, it, on, on the point of Alison Becker sorry to interrupt but on the point of Alison Becker I've been saying this all throughout 2019 and I'm sure you've seen my tweets and my posts and my articles yeah. about it I've been saying that Alison Becker has been Liverpool's most important player in the Champions League. Yes, Van Dijk has been fantastic. Yes, Sadio Mane has been fantastic. Yes, Mohamed Salah has been fantastic. All of these Liverpool players have been fantastic. But if you take away Alisson Becker's save versus Napoli, um, and if you take away his save versus Bayern Munich in the first round, and if you take away the saves he made in the second leg, against Barcelona where had he conceded even one goal it's basically game over no matter how much Liverpool scores and if you take away his saves he made in the Champions League final which I believe he made like seven or eight saves or so if you take those saves away Liverpool don't win the Champions League but he was there when it mattered most when Liverpool needed him most he was there to bail his teammates out and he I don't think he set a foot wrong throughout the entire Champions League so I've been saying this time and time again I, in my opinion, Alison Becker was Liverpool's most important player in the Champions League. And you look at all of those saves and those individual performances, you see why I believe so. Yeah, spot on, spot on. So, you know, coming on to our you know, main discussion, analyzing the keepers over the past decade or so. The past decade especially has been kind of a revolutionary period for you know, the, the role of goalkeepers, basically. The likes of Manuel Neuer, Marc-Andre Stegen, Alison Becker... Ederson kind of, you know, being the sweeper keepers and the, like, the likes of David De Gea, Jan Black, etc. being you know, the, the classic goalkeeping shot stoppers as well. And you see a lot of comparisons between these keepers every day. You see comparisons. I think especially you, uh, I mean, I mean the, the biggest competition probably has been between Manuel Neuer, Jan Oblak and David De Gea over the past decade. And if you see Jan Oblak and De Gea are kind of a, a classic shot stopping type of keepers while Manuel is a keeper who has it all so you see a lot of comparisons and personally I, I think it's pretty hard you not know, to compare these goalkeepers and I'd like to you know hear your opinion on this is it you know are these different kind of keepers comparable or what do you think about this it, it, I, I agree with you in that it's very difficult to compare different goalkeepers and different styles, even when it comes to goalkeepers that seemingly play a similar style, like Manuel Neuer and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, you ask the average fan and they'll tell you, yeah, they both play sweeper-keeper styles. They both are ball handlers. They both play um, the same style. But you look at the specifics 
And you see there are actually differences between how Manuel Neuer plays and how Marc-Andre Ter Stegen plays. For example, Neuer tends to be a, a lot more risky with the ball. You see him uh, do all of these like skills and tricks and back heels and fake passes and like dummies and stuff. Um, and you'll see him rush out of his box a lot more. We saw that in the 2014 FIFA World Cup versus Algeria. That's probably the quintessential Manuel Neuer uh, sweeper performance. The amount of times he ran outside of his box to um, to stop Algeria's attackers who were on the break, and he was well outside of his box as well. We saw that as recently as the German uh, Super Cup versus Borussia Dortmund, where I, I forgot the player but uh, Borussia player received a pass. I think it was Paco Alcacer. He received a pass right near the halfway line, but in Bayern's half. And all you see is Manuel Neuer rushing out of his box, and he's very near the halfway line. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen doesn't do that. He's a lot more reserved. He's, a, he's um, a lot more composed in those situations. You won't see Ter Stegen do a lot of these skills and stuff. You won't see him uh, be as risky, even though he is a sweeper keeper, even though he is a ball-handling goalkeeper, even though we have seen him in the past do it. He doesn't do is as much as Manuel Neuer. So we see even there are differences uh, between goalkeepers who seemingly play a similar style. We see there are differences between those two. So it is difficult to uh, compare goalkeepers. It's it's also difficult to compare in the sense of like different uh, teams require different styles. For example, you know, FC Barcelona, they're going to require a goalkeeper that is comfortable playing with the ball. Um, and it's why they held on for Victor Valdez for so long. I think Valdez is one of the more underappreciated goalkeepers of our time. He doesn't seem to get a lot of credit, especially for those uh, elite Barcelona teams of the late 2000s and early 2010s. Uh, but nonetheless, he was error prone. He was prone to making mistakes. He was prone to messing up in a big in a big game. As we saw in the, uh, I want to say, 2012 Supercopa, when he tried to dribble past Angel Di Maria, and that ended up being the difference maker between Real Madrid winning the Supercopa and Barcelona winning the Supercopa. So he he does make mistakes, but because he is comfortable on the ball, because he is confident on the ball, because he does like to play that ball handling style, Barcelona didn't go out and get a better goalkeeper who's less error prone or makes more saves, etc. They stuck with Victor Valdez, and they stuck with him because of his ball playing style. And that's also why they went out and they got Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, who's a fantastic shot stopper. I think he's one of the best shot stoppers in the world. But the reason Barcelona got him, or at least the main reason they got him, is because he's a fantastic ball-handling goalkeeper. They won't go out for David De Gea. I doubt they would go out for David De Gea because he's not really that good at handling the ball. Even someone like Jan Oblak, who in my opinion is better than Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, um, I, I would take Jan Oblak before Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. Even someone like him, I don't think his style would suit Barcelona because Jan Oblak, um, he's not that great with handling the ball. He's okay, he's he's fine, but he's not at the level that Barcelona needs him. And that's probably why you wouldn't see Bayern Munich splashing the cash on Jan Oblak or the current Liverpool splashing the cash on Jan Oblak or the current Manchester City splashing the cash on Jan Oblak. It's nothing against him. I mean, as I said, I, I think... Jan Oblak is probably the best goalkeeper in the world, in my opinion. But um, different teams require different styles. A team like Manchester United, for example, who concede a lot of shots per game, needs someone who um, is comfortable with that heavy workload. And there might be goalkeepers who aren't comfortable with that heavy workload. You might say, you might find goalkeepers better than David De Gea now, but they might not be as comfortable dealing with 
all of those shots per game. Uh, but David De Gea is, and that's why they've stuck with him for so long. Uh, so there is that difference as well, where different uh, teams require different styles and different types of goalkeepers. So that's where it becomes difficult to compare as well. Yeah, and and you you already mentioned that that uh, you you know in your opinion you probably you know, rate Yano Black as the best keeper of the past decade. Yeah, right? no, not the past decade. Um, because I, I I actually put him sixth on my list, so he wasn't even top five. But oh, if okay. I had, if I had to say like who's the best goalkeeper uh, in the world from say the past like three seasons, four seasons or so. I would probably pick Jan Oblak. Oh, okay, okay. So yes, that's that, that's that's actually a fair fair shout because if even if you go on social media or you know you you know chat with uh, people, you probably hear the names of Manuel Neuer, David De Gea, Alison Becker, Testegen, and in that particular mix, you see Jan Oblak's name being you know uh, very very much underrated because he he's probably one of the most underrated keepers as well considering his ability and considering his impact for atletico madrid as well i think he's been one of the main reasons why you know atletico madrid and mainly diego simeone has been able to you know consistently challenge for different competitions and titles as well i think he's the reason why yeah. atletico madrid are on top of the table probably so fighting with the fighting with the real madrid and barcelona uh, 100% this season 100% he's one of the reasons especially because of how many uh, key defenders atletico madrid had to say goodbye to the past summer like diego godin like uh, like hernandez for example so 100% he's one of the reasons um, i think he's also appreciate underappreciated because he's not what i like to call like a quote unquote youtube goalkeeper like he doesn't make a lot of crazy reflexes saves like De Gea or or Kaylor Navas. Uh, he doesn't rush out of his box and sweep like Neuer or Ter Stegen. He doesn't perform these flicks and tricks with the ball like Alison Becker does. Um, and all of these will will get clicks and views on YouTube and a lot of and share, they're very shareable traits and uh, you'll see them retweeted a lot on social media, which isn't bad. They're all very good qualities. But Old Black is a very simple goalkeeper. He's he, he's very calm when collecting crosses. He's well balanced when moving across his goal. He's accurate when he's positioning and repositioning himself. A lot of his game focuses on those basics that um, don't get shared a lot, that don't get talked about a lot, like like his footwork, uh, like his positioning, like how he collects crosses and how he commands the box. So stuff like this, positioning, footwork, focus, etc., doesn't really get noticed a lot. And that's why a lot of people tend to say like, oh, uh, Jan Oblak is only good because Atletico Madrid's defense is good. That's not true. I don't think that's true. Um, Oblak is very good because he's got these basics down to a T. He's he's perfected these basics to the point where he's almost he's almost never caught out of position or he almost never chooses the wrong footwork tech technique or he's almost never unbalanced. It's, it's actually insane how often this guy is in the correct position, no matter uh, the situation, whether it's an open play or whether it's on a set piece. He, he makes it. I make this joke a lot. He makes uh, he makes goalkeeping look as straightforward as eating a bowl of cereal. He makes it look as as easy as that. Um, and, but, but yeah, it's these basics. That, that's quite an analogy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it, quite but, an analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it's really it's these basics that make him such a fantastic goalkeeper. But it's also why 
Um, I think a lot of people have underappreciated him in the past because they don't notice these. They don't look for these. They don't understand what makes good positioning and good footwork. But those of us that do watch him on a regular basis understand that, like, oh, my God, he's, he's almost always in position. He's almost always choosing the correct footwork techniques. He's almost always balanced. Um, I do think people are starting to notice him a lot more in recent, uh, in recent seasons. Like, I... I think a lot of people now, when they if they choose like the top three, top four goalkeepers in the world, Old Black is definitely on the list. But uh, but yeah, there was a point in time where people were convinced he was only good because of Atleti's defense, and that's not true. Atleti's defense were good uh, partly because Old Black was so reliable in net. Yeah, and uh, you know one one more thing that you actually mentioned was the positioning sense as well so you see likes of De Gea making you know amazing reflex saves and you know amazing diving saves as well and you look at Alison Becker you know probably I probably people would say it's bias coming from me but I would say no you just can go ahead and you know rewatch the games you see Alison Becker you see the shots come at him it's more over easy saves that he makes mostly and that is mostly due to his positioning and this is what makes all black special as well because he gets his positioning spot on most of the times as well so yeah that's 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 a very very good point that you raised there yeah and that's one of the strengths of Allison as well and you know it's it's a weakness of David De Gea and other goalkeepers like Kaylor Navas for example their reflexes are absolutely insane their reaction time is absolutely insane but it makes up for their poor positioning because a lot of times they're a step too far to their right or a step too far to the left or a step too far off of their line or behind their line uh, so they need those reflexes and reactions to make up for them um, but yeah th- again it goes back to the point of um different goalkeepers have different strengths and different weaknesses and it depends on the team that they play for um and that's why it's so difficult to compare them sometimes yeah that's right so next question for you probably is um who do you think you know was the most underrated keepers uh, underrated keeper i would say in the past decade and also who who do you think is that keeper you know who had a lot of promise come the start of the decade but probably didn't you know meet the expectations or fulfill that potential okay so for underrated and <clears throat> excuse me uh, for underrated 100% i would go with samir handanovic um in my opinion he's one of the elite goalkeepers in the world like those like yeah, and old black mark andre terstegen alison becker um, I'll, I'll, in the same tier as them, I would put Samir Handanovic. Um, he's been one of the most consistent goalkeepers throughout this decade. Uh, 2010-11, uh, the first full season of the decade, he backstop Udinese to fourth in the Serie A, which was their highest finish in six years. Um, following season, he backstopped them to third place in the Serie A, which is the first time they finished in the top three uh, since 1998. Then he went to Inter Milan for just under 20 million euros or so. And since then, he's become one of their best players uh, of all time, I would say, possibly even their greatest goalkeeper ever. Over 315 appearances, uh, several records, including consecutive penalty saves, uh, most clean sheets kept in the Serie A. He was the first European goalkeeper who wasn't Italian to win the Serie A Goalkeeper of the Year award. He's 
fantastic. His reflexes are fantastic. His agility is fantastic. He's a tall guy. He's he's not exactly a short guy, and usually taller goalkeepers aren't as agile and aren't as quick in goal. That's why you see guys like Kaylor Navas, for example. He's on the shorter side. Or Jan Sommer, he's the shortest goalkeeper in the Bundesliga. They tend to be uh, very agile goalkeepers, very quick. They have a lot of reflexes, and it's usually because um, they're, they're a smaller goalkeeper, so they don't have as much weight to throw around, and they can move quicker. Taller guys, not so much. They don't tend to be as quick. You look at a guy like Thibaut Courtois, for example. He's a tall guy, but he's not really that agile. But Samir Handanovic, even though he's a tall guy, he's a tall goalkeeper, he is very agile. He is very quick. He has a lot of fantastic reflexes. Um, Unfortunately, he's been very underappreciated this decade, and I think it's due to a mix of three things. Uh, first, lack of team trophies. He actually hasn't won a single team trophy this decade. I mean, you, you think of all of the best goalkeepers. Jan Oblak, he's won uh, the Europa League. You, you look at Ter Stegen, he's won multiple trophies. Neuer won multiple trophies. Even someone like Casillas, who didn't really have that strong of a decade, he's won a lot of fan, uh, major trophies, fantastic trophies. Handanovic hasn't won a single thing in terms of team trophies. He's won individual trophies, hasn't won team trophies. So I think that's one thing um, that has distracted a lot of people from naming him as one of the elite goalkeepers. Another thing is Inter Milan, they haven't really appeared in European competitions this decade. I mean, Samir Handanovic didn't make his... Uh, Champions League group stage debut until last season, the 2018-19 season. And he was 34 years old uh, at that time when he made his Champions League group stage debut. He played in the playoffs before, but he never played in the Champions League group stage until he was 34 years old. So I think Inter's lack of presence in European competitions definitely affected that. And also the fact that he's Slovenian. I mean, you know, we, we tend to focus a lot on goalkeepers that and players in general that come from the big countries, you know, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Spain, uh, Germany, Italy, France, England, etc. We tend to focus on these goalkeepers. And that's why you tend to find like guys like Ter Stegen or Neuer or Casillas or Valdez. Um, they tend to get a lot of credit. But Slovenia isn't really a country that uh, a lot of people watch on a regular basis. I believe the last tournament they qualified to was the 2010 World Cup, and that was when Handanovic was their number one goalkeeper. I mean, at that time, I, I was 12 years old, right? I'm 22 right now. So suppose I, I didn't watch Handanovic at that World Cup. I might have never seen him play ever in my life if I didn't watch the Serie A. So Slovenia, um, because he's Slovenian, unfortunately, I think a lot of people... Uh, um, take their attention off of him for that. They don't tend to watch Slovenia play. It's also a reason why Jan Oblak for a while was underrated as well, because he was playing for uh, the Slovenian national team. So when the international breaks came, not a lot of people would watch Slovenia's national team. And as a result of that, they, they wouldn't get to see Jan Oblak do all of these fantastic saves and put in these crazy performances. Um, so I think it's those three reasons, lack of team trophies, uh, Inter's lack of presence in European competitions, and the fact that he's Slovenian. Those three reasons have contributed to Handanovic being unfairly overlooked in best goalkeeper uh, discussions. So in my opinion, if we are to say, if we are to say who the most underappreciated goalkeeper of this decade is I would definitely I would definitely say Samir Handanovic. Yeah, it's I, I probably it's, it's it's the same opinion, you know, that 
I have as well because I I think I particularly saw a tweet probably a couple of maybe a year back or so on uh, on Twitter from probably one of Inter fans I think on Handano with saying he's left he's right he's bottom left he's on the bottom right he's everywhere so I saw something similar and you know, that really you know speaks a lot about Handano which as well like you said his uh, presence in the national team probably is one of the reasons why he's probably overlooked he has mm-hmm. been overlooked especially and yeah and it's, it's, it's unfortunate um sorry yeah, to it's, really that, but it's 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 unfortunate because you don't you know you don't want to be overlooking a guy just because of the country that he's coming for but the the, the that's the bias that we as football fans have it was the same thing for Kaylor Navas i mean if If you followed La Liga in 2013-14, you would know that Keylor Navas was a fantastic goalkeeper and one to watch in the 2014 World Cup. But a lot of people coming in, yeah, a lot of people coming into the 2014 World Cup, they saw Costa Rica and they're like, who do these guys have? They don't have anyone special. Keylor Navas proved that, hold up a second, I'm someone special. Just because I'm from Costa Rica doesn't mean I'm not someone special. So we tend to over, unfairly overlook, um, goalkeepers and players in general that come from countries that aren't among those big uh, big footballing powers. Yep. And uh, what is your answer to the second question, probably, you know, the, uh, particularly someone who's been, who, who you thought would have been a big keeper but couldn't quite fulfill the promise? Um, you know, if, if I had to pick someone I, I guess I might have picked uh, but he was he wasn't really too young Federico Marchetti was someone that I was thinking of because around the turn of the decade he was supposed to you know be Gianluigi Buffon's heir to uh, Italy's throne um, he made his debut for the Italian national team in 2009 he was 26 if I'm correct he was 26 years old at the turn of the 2010 so he wasn't exactly like a young guy but he was expected to be you know Buffon's heir uh, on the Italian national team. He was supposed to succeed Buffon. He was supposed to become the next best thing in Serie A. And I think a lot of people would tell you that among his generation, he is considered to be uh, among the best Italian goalkeepers of his era. Um, but even then, I, I think there was a lot of promise surrounding him in, the, in his youth. And, uh, you know, this, this decade, he hasn't lived up to it too much. Um, so if I had to pick someone, if if I really had to pick someone, I'd, I'd probably pick Federico Marchetti. Uh, Fernando Muslera, I guess, is someone maybe you could bring up as well. He was 23 or so around the turn of the decade. Uh, so he would fit under that U23 um, limit. Um, he, he, was <clears throat> he was on Lazio as well, uh, funny enough, but... Then he joined Galatasaray in 2011, and I think a lot of us were expecting him to maybe become something even better, maybe become among the top South American goalkeepers uh, in the world. And there was a point in time where he was, but I feel like him spending all of that time in Turkey has taken a lot of attention off of him. And um, a lot of people haven't been able to watch his performances. It, it's a little difficult thinking of a guy who who um, at the turn of the decade was supposed to be someone big, but hasn't really lived up to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was 12 years old, so I don't remember who exactly was was said to be the next, uh, the next best. There, there were some goalkeepers that I was surprised by how quick their fall was from the beginning of the decade. Like Iker Casillas, for example, between 2010 and 2012, 
he was the undisputed best goalkeeper in the world. Like you couldn't even throw any sort of an argument against that. And it looked like he was going to last for a long time. But then unfortunately that injury happened under Mourinho. Then Mourinho benched him for half of a season. And then when he started finding uh, some minutes in the following seasons, he wasn't living up to expectations. He was, he was mishandling the ball a lot. He was committing a lot of errors. 2014 world cup really hurt his image with the Spanish national team. And so I was very surprised uh, the drop that Casillas suffered. Julio Cesar as well, to an extent, because <clears throat> excuse me, in 2010, he was also considered to be one of the top goalkeepers in the world. And uh, within two or so years, he was playing with Queens Park Rangers, which is not not the trajectory people would have expected him to take at that point. He sort of just drifted off uh, into uh, into nothingness as the decade went, uh, went on. At one point, he was actually playing for my local club, Toronto FC, which was massive news for us Toronto FC fans here, here in Canada. But even then, it was sort of like, you know, Four years ago, you were the champ- winner of the Champions League. You were the starting goalkeeper in the Champions yeah. League final. You were a treble winner, and here you are in the MLS now. Like, what sort of a drop was that? So, the, yeah, um, there have been there have been goalkeepers that surprisingly started off the decade really well. They were expected to be among the top goalkeepers for most of the 2010s, and for one reason or another, they've just experienced drops, which which were disappointing. Yeah, and. Uh... The final question for you probably would be, you know, looking forward to the upcoming decade. So we have a lot of young, talented keepers, Alexander Newbell, um, you have Carmen Keller and you know, a lot of other young keepers as well, who looks to be very, very promising. And I think Newbell has been signed by Bayern Munich as well. So I think that's been announced. So who do you think is going to be the, you know, the next big thing in this decade? goalkeeper-wise, they are a youngster probably. There are there are a lot of uh, of young goalkeepers to look out for. Um, I actually, I'm, I mentioned in my piece, in the intro to the piece, uh, that there are several, there are several young goalkeepers to watch out for who could break out uh, in, in the 2020s. I mean, I guess the obvious ones would be guys like Alexander Nubel, who just signed with Bayern Munich, and there's been this whole controversy surrounding his signing. Manuel Neuer apparently isn't happy and doesn't want to share minutes yeah. with him. Schalke aren't happy with Nubel. They just stripped him of the captaincy, etc. Um, but, but definitely, he's got a lot of talent in him, and he's expected to be Neuer's heir. Um, Obviously, Gianluigi Donnarumma as well. I mean, it's funny because this guy's been playing since, like, I believe the 2015-16 season. So he's been playing for almost half of the decade. And he's only 20 years old. He's actually two years younger than me. So it's it's crazy because you look and you think, like, this guy's been around for so long. He must be in his, like, mid-20s by now or something. He's only 20 years old. By the end of the 2020s, he's going to be 30 years old. He's going to be younger than Neuer is right now. Neuer is in his early 30s, I believe. Um by, in 10 years, Donnarumma is still going to be younger than, than Neuer is at this point in time. He's only going to be 30 years old. So Donnarumma, definitely someone who's going to watch out for in the 2020s. Maybe not break out since he's already broken out, but definitely someone to watch for. Um, Andre Lunin, uh, Real Madrid's 20-year-old Ukrainian goalkeeper. He's expected to be a, a fantastic prospect this decade. Um, he He's someone to watch out for as well. 
you've got Iñaki Peña and Barcelona system. You've got uh, 19-year-old Christian Fructel, um, who's in Bayern Munich system. And you know now that Nubel is there, 100% Fructel is not going to be starting for Bayern Munich anytime soon, in my opinion. I think he's going to be taking a, lo a loan move this summer, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. AC Milan have another uh, fantastic young goalkeeper and Alessandro uh, Lizari, I believe he's uh, I believe he's 19 years old, so he, he's also he's also a young yeah. goalkeeper. And even guys outside of Europe, like 21 year old Volker Farinias, uh, he's been yeah. yeah he's been the talk of South America for for a while. He had a very good uh, Copa America this past summer as well. So there there are so many young goalkeepers. There are so many goalkeepers in their uh, late teens and early 20s to look out for. Um, you know, and if all of them hit their heights, if all of them hit the heights they're expected to, 2020s could be an absolutely amazing year in terms of goalkeeping. You can add actually Alban Lafont as well to the Yeah, Alban Lafont. Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many that like it's it's easy to forget. Um, there's also uh, Bartolomeu Strugovski. If I'm correct, he plays for uh, for Fiorentina. He was also he's also expected to be <clears throat> one of the top goalkeepers in the world when he gets older. He's only 22 years old. Actually, a couple of years ago, he was number two on my top teenage goalkeepers in the world list. And right now, he's he's considered to be someone who is expected to reach the next level in the next decade. So there are a lot of young goalkeepers to look out for. There's no shortage of goalkeeping talent. And you obviously have um, you have guys like Terstegen, Oblak, Allison, Ederson, De Gea. They're all on the right side of 30. Some of them are as young as 26 years old. So it could be fair to say that you know, maybe even they're going to dominate by the time the 2030s come around. Maybe they are still going to be uh, experiencing long careers by the by the time the next decade comes around. But in terms of uh, goalkeeper talents in the late teens, early 20s range, there's no shortage of goalkeeper talent. Uh, if, if you have a favorite league to follow, there's probably a goalkeeper, a young goalkeeper there that you can follow as well. And that could break out in the next decade. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that's a wrap up uh, to this episode. And no, it's been a, it's been a huge pleasure talking to you, Mohammed. So much knowledge, so much information passed on to all our listeners. And I've enjoyed it pretty much as well because I you know, heard some really, really amazing views from your side as well on keepers. And possibly I follow you a lot on Twitter as well, read your you know, articles and stuff like that. And it, it's so nice to you know, see you being so active and looking forward for more of the same in 2020 and forward as well so it's been a really really nice episode I, I really appreciate the kind words man um it was a pleasure talking to you as always uh you're one of my favorite apl uh fans and accounts to, to talk to and interact with on twitter so it, it's been a blast talking to you as well um you know most of my work can be found on twitter at that arab keeper so if if people do want to find my work they could follow me there but but 100 percent, I, I appreciate the very kind words um um, I'm, I'm humbled by them and I'm, I'm glad to have spoken to you and I look forward to speaking to you a lot more times in the future as well. Definitely. Look, we're looking forward to amazing you know, podcasts in the future as well with you. So 
that's mm-hmm. a wrap to the show and i'd like to thank all our listeners as well for listening to this episode and i think i definitely think that you would have enjoyed this amazing episode and this is especially the first episode first podcast of the new decade from dinat megasist and we're going to be coming up with lots of new content as well on the way there's a new video coming up as well on youtube so stay tuned to a lot of content from the net megasist well thank you thank you so much for listening guys 